Sorry, they're, they're really excited about MOK Day. So I think the best way to get started tonight is to start with a 26-minute speech by our man, MLK Jr. We can go ahead and roll it. All right, well, while we wait for it to get set up, we'll go ahead and uh, instead talk about round number two, though I never told anyone that there would be a round number two, of what we talked about last week, which is the demoniac, not... The Demoni Act, <laughs> but the Demoniac. And if anybody remembers, what is a Demoniac? Shame on you. There we go. A person who's demon-possessed. Yes, pretty simple. We read about the Demoniac in Mark chapter 5, demon-possessed dude, and we'll start talking about it tonight as well. And so I'm going to have Nathan Blamick come up and read. Yeah. It'll be Mark 5, 1 through 20. Oh, do you want me to read it here? No. All right, cool. All right, guys. You'll have to forgive me. I'm fighting through a cold. But All right, Mark 5, 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry, cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance... He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied. For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirit came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the uh, tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. I remember I was reading reading about this some time ago, and a friend, a uh, person I really like to read, he said, um, the awful picture of this demoniac is either p- painted from life or it is one of the most wonderful feats of poetic imagination. 
Nothing more terrible, vivid, penetrating, and real was ever conceived by the greatest creative genius. This man's story is crazy, like level nine crazy. Like when we watch scary movies, it The people are never this bad. This dude was nuts. I'm excited. Let's pray. Lord God, prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say tonight. Lord, what you taught Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, what you taught this man in this story, would you teach it to us tonight? As this man obeyed, let us obey and let us realize all that you're offering, all that you're wanting to give us because of this invitation. Help us to see, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we talked about how everybody has to serve somebody, and what you serve controls you, kind of like a boss. You work for a boss, your boss tells you what to do. We talked about how this man, well, we also mentioned Bob Dylan's song. Is our Bob Dylan fan still here? Yes, they are. Everybody has to serve somebody. That's the Bob Dylan song he won a Grammy for. In it, we read the lyrics. He said, it can be the devil or it can be the Lord, but, you're gonna ev but everybody has to serve somebody. And we read about how this man, Jesus talks about it in verse 19, where he says that this, where he told the man, go and tell people about how the Lord had mercy on you. That implies that this man had done something, something to invite this evil spirit to take over his life. Ephesians 12 says our Ephesians 6:12 says our struggle is not only is not against flesh and flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of every kind in the heavenly realms. Samson, this man, drug addicts, we talked about a lot of different people who because of certain actions in their lives, open themselves up to being taken over by some force. But as sad as the story is, what was sadder was the people's response because this man was delivered, but the people that lived around him weren't because they, rather, because they would rather have the illegal pigs that were in the area. They rejected the one who could deliver them over some illegal pigs. We talked about how ridiculous pigs are in the eyes of everyone else. But to us, the pigs in our lives make a lot of sense. And the last thing we talked about was how the disciples saw Jesus in an entirely new light because of this story. They saw that he had, he had control over sickness, over all of creation, and over spiritual unseen powers. And this man and the disciples saw that Jesus has ever, is totally capable of delivering us from whatever it is that may be controlling our lives. So we had some fun last week. But tonight, we're going to focus on verse 18 through 20. And I'll read it again. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus to go with him. Jesus did not let him. But he said, go home to your own people. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell people in all the Decapolis. The Decapolis is the region. So we live in West Virginia. It's like the rest of the state. This man didn't just go back to Gerasenes where he was from. 
but he went to the whole area beyond just garrisons. And so that's what it means when it says that. How much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This story is crazy. And it used to bother me. There's a lot of things in this story that used to bother me. I love this story. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I love this story. I love this story. But it always bothered me at the end of the story. For the longest time, Jesus delivers this man. And, Jesus, and the man only asks one thing. Can I come with you? And Jesus tells him no. That is nuts. There are three requests made in the story. Three. Not one. Three. First, by the demon. The demon says, can I go? Can I go into the pigs? Jesus says, okay. The people ask, can we? No. Can you go? We want you to leave. Jesus says, okay. And then this man asks, can I come with you? And then Jesus says, no. Does that not bother anyone? That bothers me. I know in the Bible that I read, I may have the wrong one, but in the Bible that I read, (laughs) it says in Jeremiah 29, all those who seek God with all their heart will find him. Jesus says in Matthew 11, all those who are weak and weary Come to me and find rest. This man just wants to be with Jesus, and he tells him, no. Can you imagine what this man is thinking? He was just demon-possessed. He was just cutting himself, living naked in tombs. Things were not good for him. He does not want to go back to that area. He doesn't want to stay there. Who would want to stay there? Who would want to stay with a bunch of crazy people? Because they're part of the reason that he was in this situation to begin with. They just, am I the only one who sees this? In high school, did anyone have like wannabe thug days in high school? I did. I did. I don't don't mind. I'll admit to it. I would, Jacob standing up, he is declaring that he used to want to be a thug. I could totally see that. Jacob, Jacob is kind of still a thug. But but for real though, I used to want to be a thug, you know, Eminem. 50 Cent, Tupac, they just, they just got into my mind, you know, and I'm living in the suburbs of Houston. So, obviously, I have a tough life, and I need to, I need to be a gangster. I'm not joking. I really did want to be a thug. It was, it was pretty sad. It, but there was one night when everything changed. One night. It was after, <laughs> it was after a football game, one of our high school football games, and we basically ran into the triad clan from Rush Hour 2. Like, a handful of y'all got that. But for real, though, we, it was like 20 of us, and we thought we were bad, and we got into this beef with these Asian dudes, and they were like, oh, oh, okay. And so we're, we're John, we're talking, we're, you know, people are acting, you know, sticking the chest out a little bit, and then it turns into a car chase. One car of theirs, six of our cars, and we're like <laughs> driving around Katy, Texas, you know, and it's about to go down. But we finally corner these dudes. I'm not, this is a true story. We finally corner these dudes under an overpass in Houston, Texas. In West Virginia, y'all don't know about that. Houston, we got, you know, it's like eight lanes on a highway, and that's like one side. It's some big highways, so the, the underpass is like huge. And we corner them at the stoplight, and so because they're cornered, they get out. 
but they, one guy pulls out a shotgun, <laughs> another guy pulls out a semi-automatic rifle, and they just start shooting. And we don't have any weapons because we're wannabe thugs. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> and so <laughs> we all hop in the car. We flee. I mean, we get out of there as fast as possible. Two windshields, back windshields are shattered. This, this is no joke. And so we meet up nearby at Jack in the Box. <laughs> and uh, everybody, everybody made it back safe. And I remember getting there, it'd be like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Everybody's freaking out. And then these fools, <laughs> these fools are like, hey, all right, everybody made it back safe. Y'all ready to go back? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> With what weapons? What are we going to do? Talk them to death? No, 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 no. I'm done with this. And that was the end of my wannabe thug days. <laughs> but it, it really, it was, I, I was like, why would I want to hang out? These dudes are nuts. They want to die. And this guy's thinking the same thing. He's like, why would I want to stay in this area? Those people are crazy. I want to be with you. Look, I wasn't in my right mind before. There's no hope for me if I, <laughs> and then you just think about this man. <laughs> It's very reasonable for him to be asking, hey, can I go wherever you go and stay wherever they are, stay from, away from wherever they are? And Jesus tells him, no. You see why this would bother? This man, who, who becomes a Christian only to say, man, Jesus, what you did in me was so real. I really experienced something great. I can't wait for the day when I walk away from all of that and I give up. And I'm, I don't follow you anymore. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to have. I want disaster to fall upon my relationship with you. This man is like, no, there's, I'm not going to be in my right mind if I go back. I'm not going to be safe. I wasn't happy before, so why would I be happy now? Why would I want to stay with them? And he has to stay with Jesus, and Jesus tells him, no, no, you, you, you go back. Before I even say anything about why, there is a huge, huge truth here. This man would never understand why Jesus was telling him this until he obeyed. And that, that's something very important for all of us here. Obedience always precedes revelation. Revelation rarely precedes obedience. When you have a relationship with God, rarely will he, rarely will you know why. Rarely will he explain everything to you before you are to obey. No. Usually, we have to obey, and then we understand. This man was never going to understand why Jesus told him no until he said yes and obeyed. That is huge. It won't make any sense to you why you should pray for your enemy and why you should love those who hate you. That will never make sense to you until you do it. Didn't make sense to me. Not until I did it. But when you do it, it makes all the sense in the world and you feel sorry for the people who don't do that. So then why does Jesus tell this man 
No. Why? Why would Jesus do this to him? It's because our hearts are like, as Alec would put it, our hearts are like farming land. Is that a good way to put it? Farming land, yeah, land that you farm. Alec comes from a long line of, you know, great farmers from Maryland, northern Maryland. I'm not joking. And he, he knows that, as he explained it to me, you plow the land in the winter, and then you till it. You clear it up. You break up the ground in the spring or right before you want to plant the seed. And then after you till it, you put the soil down. That's how our, our, our hearts are. The point of Christianity is not to not do bad things. No, that's, that's tilling the land. The point of Christianity is to be united with Christ and to be conformed to his image. The reason our hearts are like farming land is because we, we need to have seed in our hearts. It's not enough just to clear the ground away. It's not enough to just put bad things aside. No, we need something to occupy our hearts. We said last week everybody has to serve something. If you stop serving something, you have to serve something else. Jesus puts it perfectly in Matthew 12, 43 through 45. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other, seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition for the person is worse than the first. What I mean is, what he's saying is, our hearts are like land. You till the ground, you clear it up. You clear up your heart, certain things, certain things are gone. But if no seed is put down, if nothing is, if, if he is not occupying your heart, something worse will come along. And is this not true that if you till the land and you just leave it alone and you don't plant anything, it'll get worse than it was before? Here we go. Some of y'all are like, ah, that kind of makes sense. The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is so interesting. It's around Israel, and another sea is near it, the Sea of Galilee. These two seas, as you would look at them on the map, they're like that far apart. So you think they're pretty much the same. Same region, same climate, same everything. But they're totally different because the Sea of Galilee is beautiful. It smells good. It's full of life. People fishing it all the time. It's a great sea. It's a great sea for a vacation. It has an inlet, a river flowing into it, and it has an outlet. It's pouring out as well as taking in. But the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea only has an inlet. It only has something pouring into it, but it has no outlet. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea except extreme forms of bacteria. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea because the pH levels are just too, too off the charts. Noth the Dead Sea is good for nothing. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. 
And this man, this man in obeying Jesus was going to realize something that hopefully all of us realize tonight. That if our lives look like the Dead Sea, it won't be good. But if our lives look like the Sea of Galilee, if our hearts are plowed and then seed is sown on it, it'll be good. But if we're not pouring out as well as taking in, it would have been terrible for this man, and it would be terrible for us too. God always, 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 whenever he says no to a request that we have, it is always to give us what's best instead. Every time, every time, he ever disappoints our greatest wishes in order to truly satisfy our needs. Some of you are like, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really understand what you're talking about. I mentioned Peter early on. Who remembers when Sean talked about the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter? I do. It was really good. It was really good. I love that story. They get up. Jesus takes Matthew, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus takes James, John, and Peter up to the top of this mountain, and there he's transfigured in front of them. It's crazy. He starts glowing. I'm, you can go read it for yourself. Dude starts glowing and radiating. And then Elijah, who was dead like more than 500 years before that, shows up in the flesh, not a ghost. And then Moses, who was dead like more than 1,000 years before that, shows up in the flesh too. Pretty crazy story. And then Peter's like, whoa, yeah, this is, this is nice. I, I could get used to this. This is living. What, are you serious, Jesus? Look what's going on. Oh, yeah, this is definitely where I want to stay. Look at that. Hold on. Can y'all hear that? Can y'all hear that? Nothing. No sounds. No drama. No crazy people. No, no money. No money problems. No mess. None, none of what the world is trying to throw on me. No, no, this is a place, this is the kind of place I would want to be. A place where it's secure. A place where it's safe. A place away from all the world and all of its problems. Man, Jesus, let's stay up here forever. Let's go and build a temple. In fact, let's build a temple up here. Let's make some bungalows. And let's put a picket fence up so we can keep out all the people we don't like. So we can keep out gays, so we can keep out minorities, so that we can keep out people who don't have the same political views as us. Yeah, Jesus, let's set. Yes, this is the life we need to live. Jesus, I mean, Peter, who has a foot-shaped mouth, falls asleep, he thinks, <laughs> and then he wakes up and everything's gone. And Jesus is like, let's go. And Peter's like, why would we not want to stay here where it's secure, where we know we'll be happy, where everything will be just right? And then Jesus is like, let's go. They go down to the bottom of the mountain. Immediately as they get to the bottom, immediately, drama. Immediately. Religious arguments, arguments over this. This group doesn't like this group. You got demon possession. You got sickness. You got a boy who's trying to kill, kill himself. You got people who don't believe. You got people who are mad, people who are excited. You got all these different things right back into the world. 
if y'all haven't picked up what I'm trying to get to, hopefully it'll make sense now. The lesson here is that the safest place for a Christian, the place of true happiness, the place where you stay in your right mind, the place where you don't lose what God has put into you when he frees you, the greatest place to be for a Christian is to be in the world and taking responsibility for the people who are in it. This man, this demon-possessed man, was going to learn this lesson. And Peter learned that lesson too. The safest place is not separated in our holy huddles, staying away from the people that we don't like, but no. It's loving our enemies. It's loving the people who don't love us back. It's taking responsibility and praying and fighting for our families, for our friends, for the people who are trying to bring us down, from the people who are trying to hurt us, from the people who are trying to start drama and keep it going. That's the safest place for this man to be, and it's the safest place for us to be. I love how C.T. Studd puts it. One day, we're going to tell you all C.T. Studd's story. This dude was a beast. He was alive like 100 years ago. Famous cricketer. Famous. Famous cricketer. But when he graduated from college, he walked away from his cricketer. I know it sounds silly here, but in, in England, for some reason, it's a big deal. Sorry for anyone who's English. Cricketing is a big deal there. Famous cricketer, walked away from a pro career, walked away from everything, his family, friends, to go and be a missionary in China. And he said this, some want to live within the sound of a church and chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. The reason why and I don't know if I already skipped it because it might have already shown up on the PowerPoint. The reason why the safest place for this man was to be talking about what Jesus had done in his life was is because expression deepens impression. When you express what Jesus has done in your life, that that is the best place for you to be in regards to it being further and further impressed on your heart. My testimony gets better every year, at least to me. Because the more I tell it, the more I'm appreciative of what God did for me and what he brought me from. The more I talk about it, the more I remember, the more I bring to mind what happened. If you hold it in and if you keep it to yourself, if you're inactive as a Christian and you're just like, ah, I'm just kind of content with, I'm just kind of content with keeping it with me. That is the most dangerous place you could be. Jesus says it. Our grounds, are, our, our hearts are like soil. If you don't act, if you leave it alo alone, when the ground is tilled and it's left alone, it'll be worse off than it was before. This is huge. This is really, really big. Some of y'all are like, okay, Jordan, kind of makes sense. I kind of get where you're coming from. Yeah, expression deepens impression. Yeah, our hearts are like soil. This is, this is cool and everything. But, bro, I'm not like you. You preach, you preach a lot. You teach a lot. I'm not like you. I haven't studied the Bible like you. How am I supposed to go and do this? If you go back and read the story, you'll notice that it said that this man went to seminary and that he was in one of Jesus' 
most esteemed classes and that he went to a seminary, I think it was Jerusalem Theological Seminary, the greatest seminary north of the Nile. This man had three years of training before he went out and told people his story. It says that in verse 19. Oh, hold on, no it doesn't. It says in verse 19, Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. When I read that, it tells me how. Three ways, three ways of how you can, how you can do this. Number one, tell your story. Who's going to argue with your story? Who's going to argue with what you experienced? This dude, <laughs> this dude showed up and he was like, hey, hey, this is what Jesus did for me. I was this and I was that and I was that and I was that. And now I'm in my right mind. Y'all need this. What are they going to say to him? Are they going to be like, no, you didn't really experience that? No, they're not going to tell. They're like, no, we saw that, that dude was naked. It was nasty. That man, that man had any clothes on. That dude, every time we walked by him, he was trying to hit, up us, hit us upside the head. That dude was crazy. They, no one can argue with your story. No one. And I love how Lecrae puts it. He said, what? <laughs> Nate's over here getting chills. <laughs> he said, yes, that's the essence of my faith. Like, yeah, I suck and I need a savior. So let me tell you about how much, about how I suck because I'm not scared. I'm healed from it. So I can talk about it. You know, healed people heal people. Hurt people hurt people. So let me heal some people. So good. Another thing, though, is other th not only can you tell people what God has done in your life, but also you can just tell people what you know about who God is. And look, that means you will, that, that, that is implying that you will never know everything that you could know about him. You will never know enough about God. I read the Bible every day. Uh, I read the Bible almost every day. I don't read it every day. I wish I did, but you know, y'all forgive me. Don't throw any stones. <laughs> Jacob, put yours down. <laughs> but I read the Bible because I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still learning, and I'll always be learning who God is. You don't have to tell people all the Bible. Nobody wants to hear about all the Bible, at least not in one sitting. But you can tell somebody about what you know about who Jesus is. It's not complex. The other thing, though, is your life. And this is where it gets good. This man's life, simply him existing. I wasn't planning on saying this, but one of my favorite quotes is a quote by a man named Gypsy Smith. None of y'all probably have ever heard of him. Maybe a couple of y'all. He's an evangel evangelist in the 1800s. That means nothing to you. It shouldn't. But what he said, this quote, is it's dirt. It is so good. He said, there are five Gospels that were written. Not four. Five. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. And most people are going to read the last one before they read the other ones. That's your life. 
that's this man's life. When he came back and he told the, and he's like, he's like talking about how he's in his right mind and what Jesus had done for him, and he's just telling people his story. Just his passion, just his zeal, just his experience is changing lives because they see this man's life. And they're like, dang, that's something that I want. And this is so good <laughs> because Jesus, Jesus pulled the ultimate movie plot twist <laughs> ever on these people. They're like, what are you talking about? These people, <laughs> when they saw this man, when they saw him, do you not see that by the very seeing of this man preaching, talking to them about who Jesus is and what Jesus had done in his heart, he is just like the one that they had sent away. They thought they got rid of him. And Jesus is back in the form of this man. They thought, they were like, yeah, we got our pigs. <laughs> that dude messed up our thing with our pigs. Oh, no, no, he has to go. And this man comes back, and he brings Jesus back to them. Isn't that? Man, look, there are three requests made in the story. And this is the best part. There are three requests made in the story. Three. And everybody gets tricked. Everyone. No one can escape the sovereignty of God's love, no matter how much they try. No one. First, the people. Not the people. First, the demon. The demon thinks, oh, you know what? Jesus is here. You know we can't. White flag of surrender. Let's see if he'll let us just go into something else. And Jesus reluctantly lets them go into the pigs. But I bet you that they weren't expecting the pigs to die. <laughs> the pigs died immediately. Tricked. The people. The people thought that they got rid of Jesus. They thought that they had gotten rid of the, the, the source of what they thought was their, their problems. No, Jesus loves them too much to let them off the hook that easily. And in the form of this man, he shows back up to them. But the best part of this story, and the reason this means so much to each and every one of you here tonight and to me, this man is just like us. How many of us are like, man, something real happened in my heart, but I know that I have to go back to my friends. And they were part of the reason that I got myself in the mess that I got myself in. I've heard some of y'all say it yourselves, that you're thinking about transferring. Some of you still are thinking about transferring from WVU because of the culture, because of what goes on here, because of the atmosphere. There's not a strong Christian, Christian community here, or, or you want to be closer to home, or whatever reason. You want to be in a place more secure, a place where you know, you know you're really going to be happy a place where you're going to be freed from all these problems and all this drama. And this man wants the same thing. But as we look at this story, this man thought that he was denied an opportunity of a lifetime to travel and be with Jesus so he could experience true happiness, true security, true peace of mind, true significance of life. He wants... This man's life was a joke now. Everybody knows him as the naked dude who was cutting himself. This, one, this, guy wanted, this guy wanted significance again. 
And he thought that if he could go and travel with Jesus, that he would get that. But in Jesus telling him no, and him being obedient to Jesus's method, he ended up getting security in his faith, lasting peace of mind, lasting right-mindedness, significance in his life again. And, and he became like the man who had saved him. Can you not see the beauty of this story? If you can, oh man, Lord, I pray that you would help them to see. I love this story. This story is so good. <laughs> when you look at verse 20, it says, so the man went away and began to tell people in all the Decapolis, not just, not just back home to his family, he went to the whole region. Because I bet you once he got a taste of, he realized, hold on, there's something to this. There's hope for people, and there's more hope for me in doing what Jesus is asking me to do. And so he went even further. <laughs> These people were supposed to be a lost cause. Their story was supposed to be tragic. And because of this one man's obedience, <laughs> they had hope again. Jesus says in Matthew 28, it's like one of the very last things he says to the disciples before he leaves. It says in Matthew 28, he says, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them the things that I commanded you. And I'm going to change it up, because this is, this is King James Version, and I just... I just like it more. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. This man thought Jesus sailed away and left him there to fight this battle on his own. And he found out that when there is a go, there will always be a low and that Jesus was even more with him than he would have ever been if he would have physically stayed with him. Whether you think it's important or not to fight for the people around you and to take responsibility for the lives of your family of your friends, of your peers, of the people who make fun of you, or the pe people who respect you, or people who like you, or people who don't like you. Whether you think it's important or not, Jesus is telling us in this story. The greatest hope for your life, for my life, for all of our lives, is expressing what he has done in you. And it said that people heard and they were amazed. These are the same people who asked Jesus, saw Jesus in the flesh, and asked him to leave. That is the place of true security, and that is the place of real happiness. I can attest with my life. I can attest with my friends' lives. If you want to be secure, if you want to be happy, 
if you want significance, express what he's done in you and live it out before everyone. And don't be ashamed of it. And it will change your life and the lives of the people around you. And they will see Jesus physically before them through you. Lord God, I love this story. And I am so grateful for everything you've shown me in this story and spoken to my life because of this story. Please open up everyone's hearts to hear to hear you speak to them. Let us not settle, Lord God, with being in our holy huddles or to just clear off the land and to not let you occupy our lives through service and activity. Let us not serve anything else. And Lord God, anyone here who does not see, would you speak to them the rest of this week, the rest of their lives, so that they would obey this and realize the joy that this man tasted. Lord God, we all want to be in our right mind and we all want to stay in our right minds. Help us, Lord God, to say yes and obey you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.